Now you can find, listen and subscribe to Chilling with Jens and the local Danfoss Climate Solution podcast in your RevTools app. Download it from danfoss.com. Service and support. Downloads. Hi, I'm Jens Andersen and I work for Danfoss Cooling. Thank you for listening in on this podcast, which is... Chapter 10 in a series about evaporative cooling. In this podcast, I'll talk about how to control a cooling system. We'll start with the very simple domestic fridge, freezer or aircon, and gradually move on to the slightly larger systems, ending with a more traditional so-called commercial cold room. Again, there are so many ways of controlling the cooling process all depending on the way that the system has been constructed, so I'll only talk about the most common ways of controlling. But let's just start with your fridge in the kitchen, or wherever you may have put it. It could also be a small wine cooler, or maybe a small room air conditioner. Anyways, one of the smaller systems that basically only consists of a compressor, a capillary tube, an evaporator and a condenser, and then a thermostat of sorts. The thermostat is in fact a controlling component in these small and relatively simple systems. You set the thermostat to what temperature you need in the fridge, the freezer or simple local aircon. In other words, you decide the thermostat setting depending on the temperature you need in that particular system. In a fridge, you probably want the temperature to be the best for dairy products like milk, cheese, etc. So the temperature should be around 4 degrees Celsius, which is something like... 40 degrees Fahrenheit. In a freezer, you'd probably set the temperature to minus minus 18 degrees Celsius or zero degree Fahrenheit. Or in an aircon, you'd probably like to have the, the blowing air at a temperature of say plus 18 degrees Celsius, about 65 degree Fahrenheit. Anyways, you, you decide the temperature and when the temperature is reached, the cooling should stop. So, you stop the compressor, or rather, the thermostat stops the compressor and the cooling process stops. But you'd probably still have the fan running if we're talking aircon, but that depends, of course, on the type of aircon. Regardless, the temperature the thermostat is controlling will start rising because the cooling has stopped. So, eventually, the higher temperature will trigger the thermostat to switch the compressor on again. And the cooling obviously starts again. How hard can it be? This on-off control is the simplest and cheapest way of managing the cooling process. So that's probably the most common way of cooling the temperature of a cooling system. It has its drawback, definitely like not very precise temperature control. But if you consider your milk in the fridge, it's less of less importance if the temperature uh, outside the bottle, but still inside the fridge, of course, fluctuates a few degrees over a period of time, as long as the average temperature is the ideal 4 degrees Celsius. Hold on, did I just say ideal 4 degrees Celsius? Yes. That's the temperature at which most of your usual fridge content will feel great. That's where the dairy product bacteria growth is at lowest, and at the same time you'd avoid some vegetables being ruined by frost. 
In other words, you also need to consider what it is you are cooling down. Just a few more words on the short time storage temperatures for foodstuff. Some items like fish likes temperatures a bit lower than the ideal 4 degrees Celsius. And remember, we're not talking freezing. That is required for some foodstuffs for longer term storage. Also note that this 4 degrees Celsius, 40, de 40 degree Fahrenheit is an average temperature across a wide set of different types of foodstuff. If you're working on a, with storage rooms for homogenic foodstuff, please refer to the local authority recommendation for storage temperatures for that particular type. So the temperature is of course important, depending on the function of the cooling system. Let's consider the slightly larger cooling system, like the one you can find at the local convenience store just around the corner from where you live. You probably haven't noticed, but if you look behind and above the shelves in the dairy compartment, you will see that there is an evaporator sitting, blowing cool air down among the milk, cheese, butter and whatever else is in the glass door cabinet from where you get your dairy products. Sometimes there's an entire room behind the shelves where all the products waiting, are waiting to be sold or stored. Again, somewhere inside that cabinet or room there is a thermostat that more or less does the same thing as before. It switches on and off. But this time it's switching the flow of refrigerant, not the compressor itself. It actually switches off a solenoid valve so that the evaporator will be sucked dry by the compressor. And then you have a pressure sensor on the compressor suction line, sensing when the pressure gets below a set pressure. And that depends, as we have learned in the previous lessons, on the refrigerant you use. It means that this time it's the suction pressure that controls the on-off of the compressor, not the temperature. The advantage of this is that the compressor, when it starts again, will have pure vapor, without liquid refrigerant to start up with, and the oil that runs through the entire system will also be where it's needed the most, in the compressor crankcase by startup. Often you will see a double pressure control mounted, like the Danfoss KP15, where there's a low pressure and a high pressure side, where the pressure switches are adjusted to the pressure limits required to protect the compressor, again dependent on the refrigerant in use. The high pressure switch is primarily meant for protecting the compressor against excessive discharge pressure and thereby overheating. The Danfoss KP15 has got only one set of terminals, so it's relatively easy to connect, but you, you need to be careful with the switch point adjustment. The use of pressure and temperature switches is still the most common and probably will be so for a foreseeable future, but I'll also mention the electronic controls as we see them more and more often. Let's just quickly recap what we said about the electronic controls expansion valves in chapter 6. Most, 
if not all electronic expansion valve also functions as the liquid line solenoid valve, or rather, you don't need an additional solenoid valve because the electronic expansion valve will do the job. So, it's down to the electronic control by means of the right sensor placed at the right positions in the system to shut down the flow of refrigerant to the evaporator and the compressor. All dependent on the system, the electronic controls could be the Danfoss ERC100 series or the 200 series, but you'll need to consult the brochures and product lists to be sure to get the right control for your application. It's always an idea to consider electronic controls, because most of the time you get additional benefits, like controlled defrosting, fan controls depending on the controller, and other valuable functions. But obviously it's all down to feasibility, if it pays off in the long run to have the facilities you get. While we're at it, let me just mention other controller functions that you might meet. Fan controls of both the condenser for optimizing the condensation process and the evaporator during defrost. Speed controls of the compressor, aka capacity control. Store control that includes day and night optimization, lighting controls and some even with remote monitoring. But like I said in the beginning, there are so many ways of controlling a refrigeration or cooling system that it's impossible to mention them all. Just remember to read the manual and not the least understand the principles of the controlling system that you are facing. We would greatly appreciate feedbacks and suggestions to future refrigeration topics or if you have specific questions to this episode, please leave a comment on the Chilling with the Ends SoundCloud page. I look forward to hearing from you. We would also appreciate it if you would click like, share, repost or help us spread the word about Chilling with the Ends and Evaporative Refrigeration. Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you soon for the next episode. Until then, stay cool. This podcast was brought to you by Danfoss Cooling. Please feel welcome to visit us at danfoss.com and maybe sign up for some of our cool e-learning classes. Thank you.